News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now it's just coming up to 11 minutes past eight. The government will unveil a plan in the coming weeks for the implementation of the National Development Plan. Pascal Donoghue, the Minister for Public Expenditure, National Development Plan, Delivery and Reform, is responsible for this and he joins us now. Minister, tell us about the delivery end of the National Development Plan. It's been knocking around for some time, but the timeline appears to be quite loose. So, good morning, Kira. Uh, so, the National Development Plan is how we are spending the taxpayers' money in creating a better future for our country and trying to make progress on the many issues that we're aware of. Uh, this year, we're spending around €12 billion Euro in investing in building new homes, building new schools, investing in new transport uh, links. Uh, a number of years ago, that figure was only €4.6 billion, Euros, so we'll have tripled us in over seven, in just under seven years. And what the government is currently doing is considering how uh, we can ensure that we get better uh, delivery for the money that we are spending. And I'm doing that in my role as Minister for Public Expenditure. It's looking at how we make decisions in relation to major projects and then critically how we can allocate money in the coming years to allow more to happen sooner. Uh, and with that work will take place throughout the year, but I'm aiming to look at how we make decisions in relation to funding projects in the coming weeks. Okay, and because there is a perception out there that we don't get value for money. People talk about things like the National Children's Hospital, the overruns on various projects. Metrolink is, is one of the things that, that, that is included in the National Development Plan, but there's no solid date on that. Surely, surely things like a lack of a, of a, of a tied-down timeline leaves things like funding very up in the air. So I, I'd respectfully contend that with something like Metrolink, what is more damaging to a project like that is setting deadlines in relation to us that keep on shifting due to changes in procurement in tendering processes and due to things that can sometimes happen in major projects that are outside the control of government. Instead, what we are looking to do is lodge the railway order, which is the planning application for Metrolink. Uh, uh, this is a project that is really, really needed for Dublin and for our country overall. And the cost-benefit analysis of it will only grow uh, as we change uh, the price of uh, how our environment is changing due to climate change, making public transport projects even more value, valuable and even more needed in the years ahead. OK, and I take your point, you know, changing timelines, changing, changing, I suppose, funding models that way, that is very loose. But would it not be better if we just had, had a timeline and, and managed to deliver it on time and stick to it? Yes, so what we will be aiming to do, as I said, is lodge the railway order uh, for that with Onboard Planola soon. And then as the railway order is worked through with Onboard Planola, it will become clearer to us what are the timelines for actually delivering this project. I mean, broadly, to deliver something like Metrolink, you are talking a seven to eight year time frame. But I'm really aware of this project when it was Metro North that many different deadlines were set. Mm. It turned out those deadlines were not delivered. What we are clear on is when we will lodge the, the planning application for the project. And as hopefully that moves through uh, on board Planola, we will then get clearer uh, about when the tendering process will begin, which in turn will allow us to be exactly clear when a project like okay. that will open. But very broadly, you are talking seven to eight years for a project okay. like that, which means it will take time, obviously, to deliver us. I, I also know Note that, that, that the, the project is estimated in category F, which is a 1 billion euro plus funding scheme. 
but it is suggested that the figure will be much higher. Do we, I mean, is it one billion? Is it six billion? Do we have any clue? Again, we'll be able to be a lot more exact in relation to that when we go through the tendering process in relation to that project. Okay. Uh, what is very important when a government is tendering a project as big as Metrolink is to be very, very clear on what the final costs are in relation to us once the tendering process is complete, which, of course, we will be able to do uh, when that is initiated. OK, and before we move on from the National Development Plan, uh, there is a suggestion that lots of roads that, that were, uh, I suppose, proposed for building the National Development Plan may now never happen. That, that there is a perception that, that we're, we're against roads now and, and, and some people even think against motorists. But, but what's happening in the road network? What, what is the plan for that? Well, we, we are investing in our roads uh, and uh, in this national development plan and its predecessor. We have, for example, invested in roads like Clooney to Castle Baldwin, Gort to Hume, the new Ross Bypass uh, projects over the last number of years, uh, some of which have been open for some time, some of which uh, uh, will be delivered in the time ahead. So we are investing in roads. But what is the case is that we do have a fixed roads budget year by year and it does mean we can't do everything at once and we have to phase upgrades in roads over time while also being conscious of the fact that we want to and need to invest in public transport and if we have uh, commitments such as how we deliver a metro and how, for example, we deliver rail upgrades in cities such as uh, Cork and projects like the Cork to Middleton project, it does mean we have to make choices elsewhere in our transport budget. But we are committed to road upgrades, but it's also the case that we can't do every single road upgrade within any given year. Okay. Minister, moving on to, I suppose, the story of the week, the eviction ban not being extended. Obviously, huge division even within government on on the the right move or or the wrong move. But government ploughing ahead currently on on that and saying that other measures will be brought in to help renters, including this idea that that, that tenants in situ, that local authorities will will purchase houses that become available with with tenants in situ. Front of the Irish Times this morning, local authorities in Dublin have bought 13 out of 460 homes that were available to buy with tenants in situ. Uh, that's not going to be much of a game changer. If, that, if that's what we're pinning our hopes on to, to make matters better for renters, it, it appears to be something that uh, local authorities are not embracing. And this is why Minister O'Brien met the local authorities last week to reiterate the need for them to make quicker progress on an initiative like that. In fairness, the the article, I believe, also points to the fact that there's 382 purchases uh, under that scheme that are currently under consideration. But the government does want to see that scheme more broadly used. It is why we uh, have emphasised this to the local authorities. And it's also why we have made more funding available for a project like this and for an initiative like that, particularly uh, for uh, tenants who are inside the property that the landlord is willing to sell and who otherwise would be at risk of becoming homeless. Uh, so this is something we want to so and expect ex- to make expect more broadly available. OK, so, so we're hearing maybe up to 1,500 houses, which would be a massive increase in that. What happens, though, to an ordinary family who wouldn't normally qualify for social housing, that they wouldn't, you know, they might have two incomes, but they're in rented accommodation and their house becomes available to, to, to purchase, but maybe they're paying two grand a month. Who's going to buy that house? Is the local so, authority going to make those people social tenants? So this is why the government has also said we want to look at developing a model of cost rental accommodation, which would over time give such tenants the opportunity to be able to purchase a property like that, or excuse me, to have a property like that for cost rental use. But Kira, like 
overall, I accept just how difficult this is, uh, 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 not only as a decision to make, but far more importantly, the consequences that it will have for many. And it's certainly one of the hardest decisions I've ever been involved in because I understand the consequences of this for many who are in rental accommodation at the moment. But the great challenge that we face is that we have for many years acknowledged we need to have more rental accommodation. We need to have more landlords in the context of so many leaving at the moment. And if we're in a place that a moratorium on on evictions keeps on being extended, it is harder and harder to get new rental accommodation and encourage landlords to either stay in the market, let alone encourage new rent uh, landlords okay. to enter into the rental accommodation sector. And that ultimately is the reason why a decision that I know will be difficult for so many is one the government believes on balance is the right one to make. Do you believe that the coalition and all the parties of government and, and all the TD members of the parties of government will hang together on this? Uh, yeah, yes, I do. Uh, but I do know that for many uh, TDs, let alone ministers who were involved in the decision, it has been a very, very, very tough decision to make. But, you know, to go back, though, to the effect it's going to have, while it's a tough decision to make, I'm more acutely aware of the consequences that can have and those who are affected by the decision. They are at the forefront of my mind. And I just want to, again, very briefly reiterate that the view that I came to is that if we're in a situation where we extend a moratorium like this quarter by quarter by quarter, ultimately we will end up with less rental accommodation in our country in the time ahead, making the so problems that we have even harder. Worst, a least worst scenario. And, and are, are you saying that the government is, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I'm just asking, are you saying that the government acknowledges in the short term we may see a surge in evictions, but in the long term or the medium to long term that we don't have any real options or we will overall reduce supply? Is that the rationale? Uh, so frequently you're involved in making decisions in which no no options or no choices are easy or good or indeed easy to explain. And this is, I'm afraid, one of them. But I will go back again that that, that is the least of the difficulties in this decision. The most important thing is those who are affected by us. And yes, I do believe that if we're in a situation where we were continually rolling over such a moratorium, that we would have even less rental accommodation in our country in the time ahead and our current problems would even get bigger. Pascal Donoghue, Minister for Public Expenditure, National Development Plan, Delivery and Reform. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk.